in a dark world filled with deceit. One united voice is crying out. Revealing the truth of God's word. It's time to expose the hidden truth. And unravel the lies. While we're living in Satan's little season. With Sister Crystal and Brother Phil. Welcome to Living in Satan's Little Season Show. We're your hosts. Sister Crystal. Brother Phil. Topic today, the war deception. We're going into war. We're going to war, folks. (laughs) I, I, Grab your armor. No. Grab I, your swords. I, well, when we start, Grab your guns. When we started this, I was like, war, what is it good for? Absolutely <laughs> nothing. <laughs> you know, there there was reasons for war, but not the reasons that we have today. Well, you know, we're talking about this this because obviously the world is in this frenzy with now we got, you know, two wars on our, our world going on now that, you know, are, are in the news kind of semi-regularly yeah. now, you know. The uh, Israel-Hamas war, right. which is the most recent one that just started up. Right. And, of course, a previous one, which is the, 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 the Russia-Ukraine Russia. war. Right. Okay, that apparently still going on, too. I don't keep up with news, folks. And the reason why I don't is because I honestly don't know what's true mm-hmm. and what's actually just propaganda. Because there's so much propaganda out there in the news. Well, That's why I don't keep up with it. There's also a lot of evil in the world. And evil will have agendas. And that agenda can trip you up if you're on the wrong side of what's being reported. Because they don't always report the accuracy of what's actually happening in those areas. They report a story that seems plausible. And a lot of people will jump on that bandwagon to go, oh, we're, we're for them, we're for them. And we don't know all the details. And I think that's what's sad is that there is not a clear even accuracy of both sides or what actually is going on and who's actually behind it because evil is just in the shadows well today we're going to go over okay what how did how did god relate and how was war done in the old testament and then how was it done in the new testament and okay we're going to start in the old testament right because you know we know there's times in the bible especially in the old testament that god told the children of Israel to go to war right. and to fight their enemies. And we're going to, uh, we're not denying this at all. So we are going to read that passage of scripture right, right. now. And, you know, I mean, obviously there's a number of places that you can find in there. We're just going to read one, one example where God tells them to go to war and fight against their enemies. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to go to J- Joshua chapter 10, verse 8, and we're going to read that passage of scripture. And this is a pretty famous one mm-hmm. uh, because this has, you know, a, a kind of a miraculous thing that happens in this war so that they can um, they can defeat their enemy. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hands. There shall not be one of them left from before you. And when Joshua came suddenly upon them, he had advanced 
all night of the Gilgal. God told them, hey, you know, I'm going to give them into your hands. They're, you know, as a victory, mm-hmm. a, a warfare victory. And that's what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to, uh, they were told, of course, he told Moses, hey, you drive them out through warfare. And this is how they were to completely drive them all out of the land. Of course, this time, you know, they're pursuing this warfare uh, with, the, with with the tribe of, uh, against Gilgal and uh, some of these other nations there. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and continue in verse 12 there and see how that works out. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord. In the day in which the Lord delivered the Amorite into the, the power of Israel, when he destroyed them in Gibeon, and they were destroyed from before the children of Israel. And Joshua said, Let the sun stand over against Gibeon, and the moon over against the valley of Ajalon. And the sun and the moon stood still until God executed vengeance on their enemies. And the sun stood still in the midst of heaven. It did not proceed to set till the end of one day. Okay, so here's a miracle that happened that, you know, the the sun stood still and didn't go down so that they can completely uh, destroy their enemies, the Amorites. At the the request of Joshua. Yeah, Joshua requested that and God Mm -hmm. uh, granted that request. So here is an example of an old covenant teaching of war. Now, see, here's the problem that we have. Is this taught in the New Testament? Okay, because we're not really under that covenant anymore. And what I'm going to show you is that God had, in the old covenant, he had a, he had a, a certain way he did everything. He used the children of Israel to, to, to exact vengeance upon the enemies and whatnot. Right. And this is taught, actually, all over, the, all over the Old Testament. But when Christ came with a new law and a new testament, it, it seemed like this is one area that literally completely changed. Right. I mean, it was like night and day difference. The way that we are to act towards our enemy in the old covenant was nowhere near like how we are supposed to act in the new covenant. Well, I will go a little bit. I agree with you there. But I'm also remembering it started to change a little bit after David was king, that he had been in all these battles, that he wanted to build that temple for God. That's right. And God would not let him build it because he had spilled too much blood. But he would let Solomon build it. And then I see from then on in the Bible, there might have been battles, but really God worked through the prophets. He worked through delivering his message and not through, you know, yes, he allowed the children to be captive, you know, from other nations. But as far as like going to battle so much, there was a little less of that throughout that part of the, the halfway through the Old Testament. That's what I see. I just see that God, it wasn't so much a bloodshed kind of, way to get his point across he used other means to do that and it was a little softer well there's definitely once they of course acquired their land mm-hmm. you know it, there, there wasn't as much warfare that went on right. because but i mean they did have raids and they did have to attack their enemies because uh, essentially most of the reason why the warfare actually even happened to begin with is because of their disobedience exactly. to god if they would have just stayed obedient to god None of that would have been required at all because they would have been so spiritually strong that 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 would rebuff their enemies. No problem. But see, people just don't understand that. Well, people even feared them. They feared the Israel, the Israelite people because of their God. Well, again, it it has to do with your spiritual strength of a nation. Mm -hmm. The stronger, and of course, this is why I, I always tell people, 
you want to have protection, it has to do with how close you are to the shepherd. Exactly. That's the way it is. Okay. Again, we're sheep. The closer you are to the shepherd, the more protection you're going to have. The further away from the shepherd you are, the less protection you're going to have. That's just the way it works. And this is what's taught in our Bibles in both Testaments, really. But we're going to go here to okay, Ephesians. We're going to read a verse in Ephesians. Now, this is kind of the beginning of the teaching of how we are to respond in the new covenant system, okay, which is a, a, quite a bit different than the old. See, this is why it really frustrates me when I see people going back to law keeping and that old covenant system because the new covenant system had a completely different type of way we are supposed to live right. in, in, in how we're supposed to conduct our lives. So go ahead and read Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 and 12 there. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And if you keep reading that, of course, you know, you realize that, you know, you're put on, and the, 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 the sword is actually the word of God. So essentially, yeah. our weapon of war now, if you keep reading on to that passage right. of scripture, is the word of God is our weapon. So it's, in other words, it's not a weapon that we are trying to literally Heal. physically hurt mm-hmm. somebody right. with. Instead, it's a weapon that we are trying to change and help guide somebody's heart towards God mm-hmm. through God's word. This is what, what he's talking about. Yeah. Again, see, our he, he says it very clearly. It's not flesh and blood. See, so many people, they're so focused on flesh and blood war. They love flesh and blood war. And see, our war is not against flesh and blood. Right. Because we understand our real enemy cannot be killed through flesh and blood fighting of war. See, this is what people need to understand when they go to war. That we're not, gonna, we're not killing our enemies at all. No. Because our enemies cannot be killed. It's a spiritual in nature. They are from a different realm anyway. It's, it's the satanic forces right. that we cannot kill. Are our true enemies here, and so these are the people that we we need to stand up against, and we need we need to fight against on a spiritual level. Right. Well, all these other human bodies and people that are being manipulated by the spirits, they're just pawns. They're just being used by these spiritual forces, and we if we can see clearly that it's they're just being used, that it's not them we have to fight, but it's the things you can't see. And, but God knows that because here's, he's the one that sent them here. He knew the war began in heaven. That's and right. It came down here and he knew it and he knew what we were going to need to know to fight and to stand firm. And he knew that he knows the battle is not. Here's what it is, folks. He knows the battle is not ours. The battle, we, we are soldiers in the army of God, but the battle is his. He wants to fight for us. He wants us to be prepared. He wants us to trust him. But in the end, he knows what it's going to take. This covenant that we're in right now, the new covenant, it's a lot different than the old covenant. Right. Okay. And we're going to read that scripture here in, in, in Hebrews because this is an important one to understand in graphs because so many people are trying to force people or try to get people sucked in mm. to some kind of a hybrid old covenant, new covenant style 
of Christianity, and it's ridiculous because that's not what we're not under any kind of old covenant anymore. We're under the new covenant system. Go ahead and read Hebrews chapter eight, verses eight and following, because it really explains how we're under a new covenant now, which is way different than the old covenant. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers. In the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them, says the Lord. He says there that he goes, I'm making a new covenant with this these two houses. Now, I, right. I'm going to do a new, another show down the line mm -hmm. on the, the difference between the house of Israel yes. and the house of Judah. So many people, that, that there's two different... After right. there is a split in the kingdom, there is essentially God dealt with two different houses there. Right. The house of Israel, which is, which are called, I guess you could say the Israelites in the Bible. Yeah. And then there's the house of Judah, which I guess you would call them the, the Jews. Jews. Right. There's these two houses that God was dealing with. And a lot of times people don't realize that when they're reading their Bible, that this house of Israel, a lot of times when they hear the word Israel, they think, oh, Israel. Yeah, that's Israelite. All the sons the, of no, Israel. No, that's, that's the, the people that aren't the Jews, <laughs> okay? Right. It's very confusing because people don't really don't read and understand and study their Bibles that well. But I'm going to have to do a show and explain all that. But the point is, he says here, remember, the New Covenant is not like the Old Covenant. Mm -hmm. Not like the ones that he gave to their fathers. See, what, what I'm explaining here is the covenant that Jesus brought down is not like the one that was that Moses gave them in Egypt, where they had to fight all these wars and stuff like this. This is one example here where the new covenant is starkly different than the new covenant. The old covenant, yeah, they had to go to war. They had to defend their honor. They had to uh, to tithe tithe their offerings. They they did all those things. Why? Because that was what God told them to do according to their covenant. We're not according to that covenant anymore. We're on a new covenant system now. That, that Christ had come down, and we're going to talk about Christ's teaching here in a moment, but let's go ahead and finish up this passage of Scripture and, and move on here. Go ahead and keep reading. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those day, days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, for the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. In that, he says, a new covenant he has made, the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. This old covenant system was very close to going obsolete, going uh, being extinct. But you see, you have people today, they're trying to go back to that old covenant system. Even though it clearly states in the yeah. author of Hebrews is saying that old covenant system is on its last leg. No good. And, and essentially in 70 AD with the destruction of the temple, it, it was completely wiped out at that point. But here it's saying how it's going obsolete and it's about ready to uh, you know uh, keel over and die because it wasn't very good. The new covenant is is the covenant in our hearts. 
in our minds. And that's this is the, the covenant that we have right now. It's a completely different way of treating people because our covenant is not like it's not written on stone. It's written on our hearts. Right. We have a heart difference, just like the show we had on on giving thanks. That's another topic. That's a new covenant teaching. It's right. not taught in the old covenant. This is there's a lot of teachings that are differentiate the old covenant system from the new covenant. And it's, you know, giving thanks is one of those. And, but here we understand this idea of warfare mm-hmm. is another one. This topic of warfare comes up. And I'm going to, like I always do, <laughs> I'm going to prove this biblically. Because, you know, Jesus talks a little bit about how to react and how to act towards our enemies. People that are treating us tor- terrible. People that are oppressing us like, like we have today. This is what's going on in our world today. We are... Basically living under an oppressive regime, governmental systems, no matter where in the world you live, they're all essentially being uh, uh, been taken over by satanic forces. We all know that. Okay. No matter what country you live in, every country has been, has been taken over now. It's, it's been a complete takeover now. So what are we doing? We're living in oppression right now. And so how are we to act towards our enemies under an oppressive regime? This is what we, what we need to know. This is why this is so relevant to today. But you have so many believers out there buying into the lies of warfare, packing their guns, doing what they need to do to defend their their homes and whatnot, wanting to hurt another human being because they feel like, oh, I have to defend myself. Well, you know, I, I, I hate to say this, but you know what? I don't need to defend myself. If you have faith and trust in God the Father mm-hmm. and you are near the, the shepherd, right. he can be your protector. This is what pretty much the Bible teaches here. We're going to read that here in Matthew chapter 5. This is the sermon on the... Matter of fact, these three chapters of the Bible. Mm -hmm. If there are three chapters of the Bible that I would say are the most important chapters of the Bible to read and understand and know, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 are the most important three chapters of the Bible (laughs) that there is. If you literally only read those three chapters, here's a a mind blower for you. If you only can read those three chapters and you implemented those in your heart and mind, everything taught there, you you would be the greatest human being, greatest believer on the face of the earth. But very few people actually implement those things that Jesus taught there. The Sermon on the Mount is basically just a rundown of what Christianity is really all about. Right. It's living the Christian life. This is how to do it. Boom. And he just runs it all down. And here he talks about how to treat those who are our enemies. Go ahead and read that one. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who, per- who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you. And persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do you do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven. And there's a lot he says right here. I'm, I'm not, I really can't go into every single ounce of detail here. Mm-hmm. But essentially what he's trying to say here is that our responsibility is, uh, he's given a new command. 
to mm-hmm. us. You know, in the old covenant system, you know, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Really, it's really hard. I looked up and like, well, where exactly in the Old Testament does it say hate your enemy? And, you know, it took me a little bit to find it because it isn't found. <laughs> it's kind of a stretch. It's not found very many places in the Old Testament. But there is a place I found in Psalm chapter 139. Why don't you go ahead and read that one? Psalm 139. And, um, and read read that, what it says about how to treat your enemy there. 20 and 21. Yeah. For you will say concerning their thoughts that they shall take your cities in vain. Have I not hated them, O Lord, that hate you? And have I not wasted away because of your enemies? Okay, so here's where they get the idea that hate your enemy scenario. Mm-hmm. is through the, uh, this, this is the only verse I can find. And this is kind of like only in, in Psalms, okay? One verse in Psalms, and so it's not even part of the law of Moses. So it really isn't really like doctrine to, that they, right. they, they taught really. Uh, but the whole point is that the old covenant system was a little bit different. See, Jesus brought something new when he says, you know, you've heard it say... This is what you how do you how do you react to to your neighbor and how to re- react to your enemy, but I'm telling you something completely different now. Right. I'm bringing in a new law in your minds and hearts, and that is you're to love your enemies. See, this is where we're to do. And matter of fact, if you read carefully that whole passage of scripture, you see that this is a very Actually, one of the most, one of the hardest things to do, really. But we live in a day and age where we're told to hate people. But you got to understand, and you got to look at things the way God looks at things. Okay, and, and I'm I'm just trying to explain this because on my show we go into a lot of things that are that talk about the spiritual nature. God, and, and I've talked about this in other shows that God has put His breath, His spirit, in every single human being. Everybody in this world has part of God inside them. That's right. We have to kind of, so that those people that you supposedly hate, then you're hating part of God that are, that's mm. inside them too. Okay, this is one thing you need to understand. Because remember, they have God's spirit inside them. So if you hate somebody, then you got to understand you're hating part of God that's also inside right. them. Now, I understand, you know, you might say, oh, no, no, I, I just hate their behavior and whatnot. But see, this is why, how are we to treat people? We're to treat them with love, even if they are not, good towards us and well, he, it, acting acting kind and compassionate or or even good if they're downright evil we still have to love them yeah and this is uh, literally one of the hardest commands okay well i the, know the, yeah there are, there are stories that people have actually done this and it took them almost everything probably they had to call on the strength of the lord to do so but they have been able to exercise this to that degree. There was a woman years ago whose daughter was killed by a drunk driver, and she, you know, she was hurt. She was her was her daughter who died, and she realized that she had to love the guy that did that, and she actually went in defense to get him out of the jail sentence or get his, you know, um, help him to be able to to be let out um, of jail. And he eventually was, and she just showed him forgiveness. And there was actually a song written about it. But the idea is to really, we're told to love our enemies. But how do you go about doing that? And if you see that it is possible and other people are doing it, then you know you can do it too. I mean, it's not just loving your enemies, but treating everyone better than you treat yourself. You know, I think a lot of people don't look at it that way, that these are little vessels of God. That's really what they are. And... Maybe they're under an influence. Maybe they're under a spiritual influence that they can't 
maybe get out of, or they will maybe be only able to get out of it if they see the love of God. See, what that does is it transitions people to see something they don't see regularly. They don't, it's like, it's like a very precious jewel or gemstone. Someone sees that genuine love of God, they'll see something they've never seen, and maybe that will get them out of their evil ways. One thing I want to bring up here is that this is why I cannot harm. Mm. I believe Jesus has pretty much clearly stated this in this verse, this passage of scripture here. By implementing this in your life, I believe you have no justification to harm another human being. It's to say you love somebody and then to harm them in any way, shape, or form, whether however you think it's justified or not, remember, we're supposed to love Everyone, even our enemies. So if you love your enemies, um, I think it's pretty incompatible with harming them in any way, including, you know, killing them, maiming them, wounding them in any way, shape, and form. Even if they're harming you, you don't harm them. Okay, this is why, this is what takes a ton of faith, folks. Right. And, and when I bring this up to people, they always bring up some scenario like, well, somebody comes in and breaks into your house and just decides <laughs> to rape your wife and, you know, kill all your kids and everything. And, you know, my, my, my position is that, you know, I have a God that can protect me from all that stuff. Where is your faith? Where is your... See, see this is a problem that people have, okay? They believe God is just some fantasy up there in heaven. See, if we are under spiritual protection by God, mm. we just got to trust that God can protect us and, and Christ as well. Well, you know, the thing is this. Yeah, and just recently, this year, I we know a family who were in a, thir a third world country, and their family was invader into their home and did kill our friend and uh, wounded right. her husband and her father, and her their three girls were left there. But everyone but her survived. She was killed. And that, that does happen, okay? Here's the thing, though. God can help you through anything you go through. Because he knows what you can handle. He knows what he's causing to allow to happen to you for his your greater gain to trust him. Now, if bad things happen to us and there isn't a protection, is it because God doesn't want to protect or is he allowing something to partake in that, us partake in something to know that he can teach and, and work things throughout in that? See, I think it's the same example with, I go back to that story, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they weren't going to bow down. Even if they had to go into that fiery furnace. The idea is God doesn't necessarily take away the painful things in our life. But yet he uses them to strengthen us to trust him and to be examples of his love and kindness. And I think in that, so if we, we think, oh, God, you know, he may or may not protect us. But even if he doesn't, can't we still trust him to let him work all things out for our good? See, that's really what people forget. That God can use the bad to work it out for the good. And he does it all the time. But well, we just have to be truthful and faithful to what his purpose and plans are for our lives. But you notice what it said at the very end there. See, this teaching here is one of the most difficult teachings. Mm -hmm. Because remember what he says here at the very end. Therefore, you shall be perfect. See, this is, okay, I'm, I'm telling you, this is the top. If you can accomplish loving your enemies... This is the pinnacle of spiritual growth in your life. Mm -hmm. See, so many people, they don't want to go to the top of the, of the mountain when it comes to their spiritual growth. And that's what he says. Be perfect for your Heavenly Father is perfect. See, this is how we're to, we're to achieve perfection in our life. Well, we was, are to have this kind of spirit. It was a perfect law. 
when Jesus came to fulfill the law that God had for him to fulfill, it was perfect. The law that Jesus came to fulfill from his father was a perfect law. And that's because it was about love. That was the chief cornerstone to his law was love. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your enemies. Love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. Love is so vital. It's not just the love. It's also the attributes of the love. It's forgiveness. It's compassion. It's understanding that some people are raised in environments that are not the same environment we're raised in. So they're more hostile. But maybe they weren't exposed to the love of God. And maybe that's why he's allowing yeah. us to have um, interactions with them so that we can show his love. That is a true testament to his to his word inside of us is through his love. Luke chapter 6 also, it basically has a parallel verse to that. We're going to read that here real quick too. Luke chapter 6 verse 27 and following. Go ahead. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. Again, if you want to be perfect, and I'm just telling, I'm just talking to the people who want to try to achieve perfection. Because if you don't want to try to achieve perfection, yeah, go ahead and go to war. You know, all, all the all the um, controls of this world love love their wars, right? Like, they like to send us off to war, killing somebody that we don't even really know. We don't have any gripes against at all. But you no, know, they're our enemies now because they said so. This is what's been going on in our world today so many times, and I'm sick of it. I'm sick of being told, "Oh, so and so is your enemy." No, they're not. I love that person. They're not my enemy at all. As a matter of fact, I love them. I think everybody stood up and did this. Mm-hmm. Everybody in the world has stood up and just said, no, I am not going to go to war against anybody else. Mm-hmm. War is never a solution to anything. That ever. Nothing ever good comes from all, any of this. Right. It really doesn't. We kind of think it does, but really it, it, it all ends up a nightmare in the end. Well, you know, evil will run a rampant through this world. That's just who's in charge. And there's no getting around it, no getting away from it. Evil is here and here to stay for we don't know how long. But righteousness is also here in each one of us, in the word of God. And we can stand up against evil. We can stand up against the evil propaganda. It's it's a unique breath of fresh air to say that you love someone who hates you, that you don't harbor any ill, any anger or malice towards someone who's evil or hurts you or seeks evil against you. That takes a lot of, you know, forgiveness and compassion, which is really lacking in today's society. The forgiveness, people can't even forgive their spouses, can't even forgive someone around the world. Why can't we forgive one another who's in our proximity? I just don't understand that because it's that evil agenda. Someone hurts you, hate them. That's not what God says. If your spouse is your enemy, you're supposed to love them still. <laughs> exactly. Okay? Well, anyway, that, that, that's a whole, a whole different topic. We'll have to have one on divorce down the line because that's rampant in our culture too. Yes. But that's a whole other topic that we can go into. But we're going to go over to one more main verse because Paul talks about this idea of how to treat mm-hmm. our enemies too. In Romans chapter 12, go ahead and read that one, verse 19 and following. Beloved. Do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, 
but overcome evil with good. Obviously here, we're supposed to, how are we supposed to treat our enemies according to this new covenant system right. that we're under right now? Mm -hmm. See, it's very clear. We're not to harm our enemies. As a matter of fact, it's quite the opposite as a matter of fact. If we have an enemy, we are to feed them, clothe them, treat them good. This is the opposite of what the world's telling us to do. And this is why we need to go counterculture to what the world's all saying and not be caught up in all these nonsense wars. And that's why I don't ever take sides in war. I never take sides in a war because both sides are wrong. Because neither one of them are following what the, what the Word of God teaches. This is why all the wars that my country's involved with, I'm, I'm opposed to every single one of them. Right. Why? Because it's opposing what the Bible teaches. Right. And I only go by what the Bible actually teaches. The instruction I'm getting here, just if you just read all these scriptures in context here. I'm, re I'm, not, I'm not cherry picking verses here. <laughs> because a lot of times people think, oh, Phil, you're cherry picking verses. No, I'm not. If I could find some places that talk about how to treat our enemies terribly, I would read those to you. That's not what the New Testament teaches anything. As a matter of fact, I am going to prove, I'm going to show you something that you may not have realized until just now. Because of this teaching of how we are to treat our enemies, we're to right. love them, right. feed them, clothe them. We're not to harm them in any way, shape, or form. Right. Okay. In the end times eschatology that I'm teaching right now, there are only two wars that are ever mentioned. There's the Battle of Armageddon and there's the Gog-Magog War. Those are the two wars that are talked about after this New Testament teaching has come into play for us, us believers, right? Mm -hmm. And guess who's doing all the fighting? We are never told in either one of those wars to ever lift up a weapon mm -hmm. to harm our enemies. And I am going to prove this biblically, as I always do. <laughs> We are going to read about the Armageddon War. And I'm going to show you who's actually doing the fighting. And, and, and I'll give you a hint. It's not us human beings that are told to love our enemies. Let me put it to you that way. Go ahead and read Revelation chapter 19, verses 14 and 15 there. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it, he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of the Almighty God. Okay, go ahead and skip down to 21 right there. Read that one. And the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. And all the birds were filled with their flesh. So according to this Armageddon War, it was just Christ and the holy angels that did all the fighting. The first resurrected, God. Ne we are never asked or expected to harm any of our enemies because we are supposed to love them. See, this is what one thing that we're doing. We're taught, see, we have to leave, just like the scripture says in Romans, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. See, it's the Lord's job to repay the enemies. Do you know why? Why is that? Because he judged the heart. That's right. He knows the actions of every individual, and he knows what's going on in them. So it's not us to take the power to go after them. He knows who he needs to punish and discipline, so let him do it. That's why he has the power to do that. Again, see, the teaching is, is quite clear, right? We are not to fight or harm our enemies at all. Matter of fact, in that war right there, the Armageddon War, 
It was the angels. As a matter of fact, that's what the seven bowls, seven seals, right. seven trumpets. That's what all those are. The angels are are, to, are told by God to put wrath down on all all the nations. It wasn't the saints at all. Us that, that are that are because we're told to love our enemies. Right. Well, we're okay. also the priests of God. Right. Well, that's true too. But that was the first resurrected. Yeah, we don't well, know I about know, you but, know. But we're not a part of the first resurrected. No, group, but we but, you know. in in essence. We are his messengers. We are his. We share his word of God. His words. So I mean, it's not a sword in each hand. One to fight and one to teach. It's we're supposed to be loving and kind. Remember this. Our sword is the word of God. That's what exactly. I'm doing right now. I I I wield the sword <laughs> of truth right now by reading all these scriptures and telling you how to act towards your enemies. Right. Now we're going to go into the Gog Magog war, and I'll prove to you even that war. <laughs> Guess how many. Believers stood up against the Gog Magog war. Well, we're going to read how that all turned out in Revelation chapter 20, verse 9. Go ahead. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Okay, so we know how that worked <laughs> out, didn't we? People, us as believers, never told to pick up a, a weapon to try to fight this war. No, no. God, see... So why, if you're under, you're under protection of God now. Well, here's the thing. That's beautiful. Here's the thing, though. He doesn't need our help. He could do a much better job if we're not in the way. You know, it's like a parent trying to get something done and the kids just, you know, cause more problems. No, but God is like, let me do it. I can do it without anyone's help. And, I, and he knows those who are needing to be taken care of and those, you know, he, he can wield compassion on people, too. I just love how he is. So righteous in his parenting or his vindication. All these people. wars in the world, folks, mm -hmm. I'm explaining to you right now, biblically, they're all satanic deceptions. Yes. There's not a single righteous war out there. I don't care which one you look at in history and think, oh, what about World War II? You know, Hitler would have taken over. I'm just telling you that was a deception, too. Mm -hmm. Knowing what I understand about how they manipulate history and everything now, and, how, and what they do to everything, trust me when I say... I'm not worried about any uh, about any other superpower taking over. I'm worried about satanic forces taking over. And that's what we should be concerned with. See, what we're right. doing is we're fighting each other yes. instead of fighting the real enemy, right. which is the satanic forces of this world, and exposing those. And that's why I yield the word and expose the, the evils of this world through the word of God. Right. And so that is what I'm doing for warfare. This is why I'm, I'm very dangerous. And this show is... Is the most dangerous show on earth <laughs> because I am yielding the weapon, the sword of the word, right. every single time I get on my mic microphone here. Right. And I just want everyone to understand: do not be tricked and deceived into going to some fake war. Right. That all it does is just cause you to go. It's flesh and blood war. We all understand right. that. And we know who's running this world. They've got control of every country in this world as it is. There's no point of going to war against any other country. They run them all. Right. So what's the point of these wars? They're all designed to either A, consolidate power, right. or designed to, to trick us and spiritually put us off our spiritual guard. Well, enslave everyone. And enslave everybody, yep. And see, I am sick and tired of people falling for this nonsense, that, that, they, that, that this propaganda being put out all over the world constantly. It's hatred is what it is. They don't want us to love one another. They want us to hate each other and bicker and fight and you know, do harm to each other. That's not what God wants at all. This is a message of love and compassion. 
and take care of your enemies and don't allow this uh, society to feed you a bunch of um, emotional hatred because there there's some bad people across the world and we got to hate them for it. No, we have to love them. I, you know, and everybody who's been married <laughs> knows that, you know, sometimes your spouse becomes your enemy at times, you know? I mean, let's face it. We all, and then we have to, you know, forgive, you know, love our, you know. Humble ourselves. Yeah, our I'm spouse sorry. becomes our enemy sometimes and we have to like, okay, I've got to love my enemies, you know. This is, <laughs> you know, this is kind of the way things work. And of course, they got to love you being your enemy too. So, you know, you're at odds at times. But see, this is what our world needs to get to understand. It's like, nope. Everyone's my, I got to love everybody, no matter how satanic and evil they are, I'm going to love every person because that's what God asked me to do. And I think the reason for it is because every, remember, every knee is going to bow eventually. These people that are enemies of Christ right now are just lost sheep. Mm. And that they are, is is they're, they're, they're deceived and they're lost. And you know, you know, it may take them longer to come around than other people, but that's what we have but to do. But if we love them the way we're supposed to, maybe that love in and of itself will get them to change. And that's why we need to just continue focusing on the spiritual disciplines taught in our Bibles. To love every single person, no matter how heinous and evil they are. I am not. I refuse to take up arms to fight another human being. To defend myself, even on a personal level, because I will not harm my enemy whatsoever. See, I think if everybody had this position, everyone just did that, all these wars in the world would be over overnight. But you see, so many people, they seem to have this justification for war. And this is a problem that we have, because right now we live in a very dark and deceptive age. We must be vigilant. We must be manly. We must be fortified. Standing firm in the faith, doing everything in love. Not only because it's biblical, but because it glorifies God. Join or contact us at satanslowseason.org. This is a non-copyright Living in Satan's Little Season production.